0: Welcome to Crosscast, a program where we discuss a wide range of topics. Could
1: be politics, could be religion, or it
0: could be absolutely anything imaginable, or it could be anything unimaginable. But whatever we do, we seek to glorify Christ our Lord. I'm Philip, and I'm Adam. Thank you for joining us today. So, once again, welcome to Crosscast.
1: Well, hello everybody. It's Philip and Adam here. We're back, episode four. And this episode, we are going to discuss heaven, the topic of heaven. And this was something that was on Adam's mind. And so, but before we get to that, I do have to take a, a pause here, and I want to thank the church where adam and i were serving where i was the youth minister and he was the worship leader for the youth group we had left there what back in 09 so it's it's been a while yeah and and we were discussing some of the needs i mean y'all don't really get to see of course because there's no cameras but we're trying to get the studio further developed and we're working on it but anyway that's that's a, a longer story and adam just made the comment man you remember that Equipment we had at our old place. That'd be awesome if we could have it right here doing this new step in ministry. And I said, let's call up the pastor. And I did, and I felt kind of like a, like I caught him at a really bad time. He literally just got out of the hospital.
0: Out of surgery.
1: Yeah, out of surgery. And he, well, he had surgery and he had been in the, he'd been hospitalized for a while, and and he was very weak in, in voice. And it's been a while since I talked to him. And so, uh, of course, it was good to hear from him, but bad to hear what he was going through. Followed up uh, a few weeks later, and the church completely blessed us with our old equipment that Adam and I, we picked out the pieces, we installed the pieces, we used the pieces, and now the pieces are with us. And uh, we're using some of it right now, and we're still working on you know, getting everything installed and set up. But I'm just really excited. I'm totally humbled by it, totally blessed by it. And I want to say thank you, God. Thank you for this church that years ago that we were involved with, now we are um, blessed and, and kind, of, kind of like a sending and a blessing, ordaining, if you will. I was talking to one of the church members there, and he said, well, we had a start at some point, and whenever we first started, it was other churches and ministries giving to us in this manner to get us going. And this is us giving to you and Adam saying, go do the Lord's work and make it happen. We're we're with you and we're excited for you. And it was really encouraging, you know, cause I haven't really talked to um, a whole lot of people over there in a while. And just to see that they were still supporting us and, and blessing and into what we were doing, but it, it really blew me
0: away. Yeah. And also on top of that, you, you want to add in that it's not just equipment we had. This is equipment that we went and picked out. We specifically said we want this piece, this piece for what we were doing there, but based entirely on our history. I have a history in audio engineering, as do you. You have a history in broadcast communications. Based on our history and things we know about what we need in the sound, we went and tailor picked these pieces. It wasn't just stuff that like, oh, here's what you Oh, That's what we're using. Okay. I mean, it was specifically selected stuff, not just generic, whatever the church happened to have. So the fact that they would give it to us after it was hand picked for a specific purpose is incredible. Absolutely.
1: I I was blown away. I mean, just the fact that we get to use the very equipment that we were using in ministry then, we get to apply it to the ministry we're doing now. I'm totally pumped. And this is the best way that I could do it. This is my analogy. It's as if you're a combat soldier you had seen the theater of war for a three and a half year period. And through that time you assembled and designed your own weapon. You, you had your own radio. You were trained in how to use your communications, your combat boots, your combat helmet, your combat assault vests and your sidearm and knife. And all of these things that you would take into combat with you and you used it and you won victories, you lost some and, Your equipment and your tools allowed you to do what you were designed to do, what you were trained to do. And then you set it down and you walked away for you know better part of a decade, eight years. And you come back and you see it and it there it is. And you look at it and you say, I could pick that up and do business with that right there. (laughs) And and then now it's in our possession to do ministry. I mean, I look at this equipment, not to say that this equipment is magical or special, it's not an idol. But it's, it, it, I am fond of it, and it is personal to mm-hmm. us. And we had a lot of amazing worship sets, and rallies, and sermons, and teaching lessons, and all kinds of cool things that God did. And now we have it in our possession. I, I'm just totally excited.
0: Yeah, no, it, very much.
1: It fits like an old hat. It's like the pickup truck that you ne- you're never gonna sell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll I'll throw one past that. Thank you to my wife who acquired us. Two really awesome chairs for the studio. The chairs office were, chairs, yeah, office chairs, screen back, very nice, new, beautiful, very comfortable. Very, we were using two wildly different chairs,
1: not so comfortable. That were not so comfortable and a yeah. little noisy.
0: Yeah, just
1: just a little <laughs> bit. So God, God is
0: really blessing this. It's been a good I, week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank God, and and I know again, unless we mention it in this episode, you, anyone listening would have no way of knowing what's going on behind the scenes. But truly, um, what God is doing here, bringing us these components, God is granting his favor and his blessing, his ordination, if you will, on what we're working on here in this new step in our ministry. And I, I just wanted to say thank you to all those that are supporting this. Thank you to all those that have given. We just ask for your prayers. That's what we need from you, the listener. Just please pray for us. We're not perfect people. We make mistakes and God graces us with the equipment and the ability and the time and our wives our families that support us to do the best that we can in this ministry. So I just had to take the time just to praise God. Thank all those people that gave this equipment to us. And uh we're going to do the best we can with it. We're going to do the best that we can to glorify God and to serve him and do whatever it is that God's going to lead us to. I don't even know. I was just kind of open in it. I
0: don't even know what to say. I'm just, I'm excited. So <laughs> whatever might come eventually. So, which is well, that's what we're open to. Yeah. So, We walked away from, this is a wildly off topic, but why not? We walked away from what? We, we left that place. I left that place to go do ministry somewhere else. I spent a year somewhere else and then a couple months somewhere else after that. Mm-hmm. And then stepped out of ministry. You left that place. Drifted for a little bit, and then went into the Bible study that you're teaching now, um, well, yeah,
1: I mean, let me bridge that gap whenever I left the church where Adam and I were I was the youth pastor and he was doing the worship for the youth group, whenever I had departed there, I continued to do a Bible study with the older high school guys, which students. then kind of trans- transitioned into college students mm-hmm. because you know time went on, so I, I was still doing those home Bible study with the guys, and then that kind of transition like you were saying into another area another city where i was called to literally they called me up and you know i'm not trying to be all spiritual here but like they literally (laughs) rang my phone i I answered i said hello (laughs) they said hey and that turned into another bible study which then is kind of morphed into another bible study that i'm doing in a different city in a church on a weekly basis so yeah i mean this has been a while
0: yeah but so i so i left ministry man, what, seven years ago, I don't remember, you left ministry, officially church, you've been just kind of in wherever place calls you, kind of really, really fluid. And we started this because a year ago, we were looking at getting involved with a radio station and timing didn't work out. Some things didn't line up. And then a year after that, it was, man, that felt really awesome. We really wanted to do that. Let's just try and do a podcast. What would we talk about? Well, this and this and this. And well, how would that happen? And then God, like you said, just started making things happen week after week after week. <laughs> I, and can't help, I can't help but laugh because
1: just uh, how long ago was it, Adam, from this point that we're recording right now?
0: What, like six weeks ago?
1: Yeah, I was going to say five to six weeks ago. We're sitting in this very room with nothing in it on the <laughs> floor with our cell phones trying to figure out now, how can we record right. into that
0: laptop over there? and now the studio that's around us okay okay, hold on let me let me clarify that so we both are college educated in audio engineering
1: (laughs) so god i have a home studio god has a sense of humor
0: yeah i have a home studio i have mixers i have all this stuff but the issue is we did not have a computer with any kind of software on it because who uses a laptop anymore everything's on my iphone (laughs) and so i haven't had a laptop for years i mean i still have it but it doesn't run anything it's i mean it's just full of viruses or whatever and, and so we're, we're looking it's at co- our we're, <laughs> it's quarantined so we're looking at our phones and we're like i know there. i mean i got GarageBand. i know there's software to record to this but we got to interface the board and the microphones into this and what does this look like garage they, band, we're halfway there yeah, yeah we uh, and and so literally it was the the first week was we didn't have chairs we didn't have a desk we didn't have anything we in sat on room. the floor we had nothing we two guys sitting on the floor the pile of sound equipment around us holding a phone going, <laughs> how do you make this happen <laughs> oh so. it's so funny
1: literally literally on opposite sides of the room because i needed to rest my back against the wall mm-hmm. and so adam's facing me on the other side of the room with, with his back against that wall
0: <laughs> with headphones lines <laughs> yeah. stretched across the room just oh man, in six so weeks, funny. this has come very far. It so, has, it there's has. no picture, but now we're at like a full size desk with mixing consoles and studio mics and scissor
1: booms and yeah,
0: cables running everywhere, and, you know, some insulation yeah, up on the, the, the room, walls. The and, room's padded now. Like, yeah, y- you walk here now, it's like, oh, they're doing some kind of radio work in here. You walk <laughs> in here that night, it's like <laughs> two junior high kids are playing on their phones, <laughs> clean up that mess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who leaves their phone on the um, floor anyway? <laughs> Oh man, praise God. It, it's, it's, I wish, well, I wish we had it like a before and after because I still laugh about it. We're sitting there saying, I know we're supposed to do this, I think, right? <laughs> and so, but here we are, obviously. But I don't it felt so right, but it's going <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> are you testing me, God? Am I passing? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Oh, good times. Um, anyway, if I could get refocused on this episode, uh, but I did have to take that time to say thank you god thank you everybody that's supporting us truly this is amazing i don't know where this is going to go but thank you thank you very 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 blessed very humble um so adam called me up uh some days ago with this topic that he wanted to discuss and i was completely affirming it and yeah let's do it so I wanted to just turn it over to him at this point to kick off the whole discussion about heaven. Now, I, I do want to point out that Adam and I have never been to heaven, so we don't have any first-hand <laughs> accounts. We don't know what it looks like, uh, smells like, tastes like, looks like. We have no idea what it feels like. We we read some things in the Bible about it, and we're and it's pretty cool and pretty exciting, and. So we're not trying to be any experts on heaven, but we did want to discuss it.
0: Episode, the second episode, we talked about fear of God. And in the third episode, we talked about salvation. And those are two huge things. We both affirmed that with each other as soon as we said, okay, what about this? Yo, that's a big deal. Yeah, we got to hit that. But the whole purpose of everything is heaven. I mean, it's not necessarily, oh, you got to get to heaven. But I mean, that's where you're headed to. Everything here gets so doom and gloom so quickly. It all becomes very, oh, I'm so caught up in this life choices. And I'm so caught up in, oh, I can't cuss. And oh, I'm so caught up. How much is too much? And I got to check my Facebook. Yeah. Well, and just in the Christian life, I got to be good and I got to be good all the time. Oh, man, I messed up. Dang it, dang it, dang it. My clothes Um, don't look right. I got to get better clothes. (laughs) Yeah. And when you look into the biblical picture of heaven, There's descriptions, but what you'll be doing throughout eternity is so open-ended. I've had times I've just sat around with people and talked about it for hours. Like, dude, what do you think it's going to be like? There's got to be some
1: fajitas there. I'm just saying. There's got to be fajitas. Kill the
0: fatty calf. Every day. I'll take that skirt steak. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Um, I mean, there is really no 24-hour period up there, but. Yeah. But so episode two and three were, I mean, very important topics. But I mean, heaven is kind of what it's all about. Um, you got to remember, God designed man, put man into motion on the planet, put the planet into motion, and everything is running toward an inevitable ending of reconciliation with heaven. so it'll we'll get here today, but or you don't have heaven and earth anymore. you have the new heaven, you have the new earth, and we'll get there but but so you have a description of a new heaven and a new earth. The old ones have passed away, and there's a moment coming where this planet must reconcile with god's design. Um, with God's perfection. That's coming. There's no option for it. It has to. So inevitably, whatever you tire up your time with on this planet, you're running toward heaven. The planet's running toward heaven. Everybody's running toward judgment day. That entire situation's coming. That's what's next. Heaven's what happens next. No matter what you do here, this is such a finite amount of time described in the Bible as just a vapor, just a wisp. So this isn't what it's all about. And so why not talk about Hey, let's just want to throw it out there that we don't have a thousand descriptions. We do have some cool descriptions, but we don't have a thousand different things going on. But one of the first things is in the old Testament, you have the Jewish temple designed a certain way and modeled after that, which is in heaven, which has the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat, the outer courts, the inner courts, all of this furniture. Yeah. And you have the ceremonious way that the one, the priest has to repent has to burn offerings for himself before he can even go into the Holy of Holies. And if he, he had to wear a rope with bells around his waist so that if he hadn't repented of something and he stepped in the Holy holy of Holies, he would collapse dead and the bells stop ringing. And they know, oh yeah, he wasn't pure enough. They drag him out.
1: Because you can't go in and get him or you'll yeah, join him. It'd exactly. just be a
0: big body pile up in there. <laughs> yeah. So this guy had to go. It was a big deal. This was like literally presence of God on earth, heaven on earth. And everything is modeled after, the Bible says it's modeled after what there is in heaven. So if you go into the Old Testament and you read just the Jewish temple designs, that's how it is. But then you get into Revelation when they're discussing the new temple. He says, so in the tribulation period, you have, they're laying out the plans for the new temple to be built. And it says, leave out the outer courts. That's been given to the Gentiles, which a lot of people have speculated because the Dome of the Rock is on the Temple Mount. They could still build the temple on the other half of the Temple Mount, leave out the outer courts, because that's where the Dome of the Rock is, and they could put both temples on the Temple Mount, come up with a little piece accord. That's a whole different thing. That's a lot of theoretical stuff. But so the temple is said to be rebuilt, but then we're hitting a lot into Revelations. Revelation is entirely a case study on its own. After the Great Tribulation period, you have the Thousand-Year Reign. The Thousand-Year Reign kicks off with Return of Christ, Christ expels Satan into the abyss and sets up a new kingdom for a thousand years. Expand on that for me. So whenever Jesus Christ comes back to the
1: earth, we call that Armageddon, or you call that the second coming of Christ because Christ came the first time when he went to the cross. And this time he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And just as Adam was saying, Jesus Christ will set up his thousand year, a literal thousand years of him reigning on the earth globally from Jerusalem. And it even talks about people of all tribes and nations coming to Jerusalem to worship him. It's on a regular basis. And again, Satan is in the abyss, the bottomless pit for this thousand-year period. Now, the Antichrist and the false prophet, which you can read about in in different places, but one of them being Revelation chapter 13 and Revelation chapter 14, but they will be thrown into the lake of fire at that point, whenever Jesus returns. And then after the thousand-year millennial reign, Then you get into what Second Peter chapter three discusses, the new heaven, new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down. We'll get into that later. But time stops and you go into eternity. And there was a little short piece right at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, Satan's loosed, and there's a little small battle, very brief, and then that's whenever Satan is finally dealt with and thrown into the lake of fire. And then you have the great white throne judgment, and then the final judgment for all those who never repented. And then All sin is settled. All judgment has been cast. Everything is finalized for eternity. And then that's when we step into what we like to call heaven. Eternity. Time stops. We're now with God forever. Again, that's the next. That's where we're wanting to be. That's where we're all heading. Whether you live for 100 years or 1,000 years, that's nothing compared to
0: the length of eternity because eternity never ends. Right. And in the 1,000-year reign, it's not just people that died. It's on the planet. So there's people that are still living. They're now living on a planet where Christ is sitting on a throne in Jerusalem as the living God actually on the planet with glorified body servants that have already lived a life, passed away, come back with him, angels with him. And it's an entirely different world. It's not just the planet, you know, now the same planet renovated, if you will, to house the glory of God. Jerusalem becomes a place where people are going to be flocking to it because there's finally a God, the God, but of all the religions in the world, finally, one of them's here in the flesh on the planet, sitting there in front of you. Who's not going to go see it? And then you have the really cool moment of when you see him, meet him, who's not going to confess him? Who's not going to say, truly, you are the God?
1: Well, you know, man, there's so much good stuff here. Theology is what I was just all over my head right now as I'm thinking about the different dynamics. Mankind wants to say that we are a victim of our environment. We are in a sinful, fallen state and society. Therefore, that's why we are wicked. It's not fair that we are being judged in this environment. So God's going to remove that excuse for mankind, and then whenever this millennial reign is placed on the earth, after Armageddon, the second coming of Christ, then Jesus Christ is reigning over the entire earth, and yet we still will have some who refuse to come to him as the Savior, and they will say, we were forced to, or we didn't have a choice. Jesus, you came to rule with a rod of iron by force, and we want our own free will to choose, or what have you. And again, it points back to a spiritual condition of the soul, that it still goes all the way back to the cross, that the only way to inherit the kingdom of God eternally is through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, which we discussed last episode. And that's why we have these two different eras, these two different periods, these two different dispensations, whatever you want to call it. We have where we're at now, of course, with the seven-year time frame, the 70th week of Daniel. People want to call it the tribulation period, but that's a whole other discussion We have all of that before Jesus Christ gets back. And then we flip the whole setting, the whole environment on the earth to where Jesus is ruling on the throne, literally in Jerusalem. And then people go through that for a thousand years. Still, that can't save you. Even Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on the earth in his kingdom, even that will not save the soul. It was what he did on the cross that saves the soul. Now we're totally hastening the day of the Lord. We want him to come and establish his kingdom, but that is to demonstrate that very thing that it is of the heart. But Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on the earth is going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. We want yeah. that.
0: Well, and like you said, it's a new era. It's, it's something it's like step one of heaven. It's like heaven part one, more or less now, heaven part two, when you get past what you were talking about, the Satan is loose, small battle, time stops, and now you're into the eternity, that's where that's where stuff is really uh, cannot be fathomed. We've had hours-long discussions. Um, I have with several people where you come across the question of, like, well, what's it going to be like? Um, I think it was you or somebody I talked to posed the idea of, it's going to be God saying, hey, let me show you everything I can do. Let me show you everything I have done. And every new thing you see is going to be a moment of like, if God takes you and he says, Phil, come with me. I want to show you something. And he, I mean, just that quick, you're at the sombrero galaxy. You're the one who introduced me to the idea of traveling at the speed of thought. I mean, it's an idea. Well, yeah. I mean, think how
1: big the universe is. We talk about stars that are millions of light years away. So traveling at the speed of light, it would take you millions of years to get to your destination. And if you want to travel and see, I mean, if we can travel and see God's creation in the universe, it may take too long going at the speed of light. So the only thing that I had was we go at the speed of thought. You think it and you're
0: there. Because God's like, all right, we're finally here. All right, come on. We got to get back. It's going to take some, it's going to take a while to get back. We've
1: been traveling this way for 30 million years and I forgot to go turn the stove off. We (laughs) got to head back.
0: Well, anyways, but so you have a moment where God takes you. He's like, Phil, come with me. I want to show you the Sombrero Galaxy, which is just a cool-looking galaxy. its at, I've never heard of it. I'll have to look it up. It's a galaxy. That it, you're almost looking perfectly at the plane of it from Earth. You're barely just looking over the plane, so you can kind of see the whole disk laid out flat. And with the light in the middle of it lit up, it looks like a large Sombrero is basically what it looks like. They named it the Sombrero Galaxy. You can Google it. But <laughs> but it's like, okay, come here, Phil. I want to show you that. And he takes you out there. The moment you see it, and when you see just the wonder of it and the amazement of it, and the moment it hits you and you say,
1: God, that's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now, and it is awesome.
0: Yeah, like that is stunning. I can't, wow. Just those words coming off your mouth, you're worshiping God. So people act like, oh my gosh, you're going to spend all of eternity worshiping God? That's it? Oh, (laughs) worship. Oh, yeah.
1: That's why you're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> but
0: just that just that moment, the moment you say, God, that's amazing. That's worship because you're confessing this is beyond what I thought. Your ability is beyond my comprehension. All of these statements as they're coming out of your mouth in those moments when you're genuinely shocked and surprised is all worship in that moment. Well, we're given credit
1: literally where credit is Exactly. Due. God, you made this, and we are crediting this is the work of your hand. This is beautiful. And another thing that I like to consider for all of eternity is that God is a God of creation. He's a God of new. So Mm -hmm. to have this preconceived notion or idea that we're going to be in heaven, redoing it again for the billionth time, (laughs) again with this movie or again with this meal, and that's not reality. (laughs) God is a God of creation. He can make and do things forever and ever that are brand new, and every time we see the next new amazing thing that He did, just like what you're saying, we're going to worship Him and say, wow, you are awesome. You are mighty. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. Your ability knows no end. The creative ability that you have, God, it surpasses our understanding. it surpasses what we thought was possible, and it would be like that every time he demonstrates something- mm-hmm. you know and I don't want to overlook the fact number one cool thing about heaven is God. that's the number one cool thing without God, heaven wouldn't be heaven Well heaven is lit by God's glory.
0: there's no lights yeah then like it's there's no sun there's no star. it's God's glory lighting the place right that's crazy again, it it's hard for us to fathom how that even works yeah exactly. That concept. And there's no shadow. Yeah. God's glory lights up every area. Yeah. There's no shadows cast. There's no places where he doesn't see. There's no places where he's not. He's just everywhere. And and that's wild. That's wild. Well, this is what I like to tell
1: people, and I know I shared this last time, I think. I thought I did anyway, but I'll share it now. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. But it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So if nobody's ever conceived of what God is going to do, I implore you, Christian, to think big, think huge, so that way it'll be that much better. So speed of thought, it's faster than the speed of thought because our brains are dumb and slow down here. I don't know. And what's funny is
0: we... You and I follow a lot of the same political stuff, follow a lot of the same, um, I guess I'll say scientific stuff. And you have people now who are so scared of death that they're doing everything they can to hasten the progress of science so that they can merge their brain with a computer in the hopes of becoming immortal because the idea of, well, because they don't believe in God. They have no faith. They believe in just, it's over when you're
1: dead. Well, they're trying to achieve... Uh, eternal life outside of jesus christ and they call that they call that the singularity ray Kurzweil is one of their leading front men on that and it's blasphemous it's an abomination
0: well and it's a digital heaven it's a digital eternity it's the idea of me man i can create with my hands something that will put me on the same plane as god and that's exactly what you had at the tower of babel it's people saying i'm going to be I'm going to become on the same plane with God. We're going to reach to the heavens where God is. And what happened? God's like, no. That's an abomination.
1: Yeah. He struck it down in judgment. And I also believe that the Tower of Babel, they were trying to open up dimensional portals and gateways to reach that dimensional plane of the third heaven. Yeah, uh, of the third heaven. And they were working on it. Fallen angels, they have knowledge and capabilities, technologies that are an abomination to the Lord and God struck it down with judgment to prevent that from actually happening. And then of course we know that that's where the different languages came through. And we know that story, but there was more to it than just, there was a pile of bricks and it was this big Mm -hmm. idol. God didn't like the idol. He struck it down and said, now speak different languages. There was more than just that. It was, they were trying to go to that next portal dimensional plane again, trying to achieve eternal life, trying to achieve the eternity existence outside of God, and you cannot do that.
0: Well, and to expand on that, that runs with a theory that there are portals, if you will, in one being on Mount Sinai, talked about them being one in the air above Tower of Babel's location that they were trying to reach to, other locations just around the planet. I would say I would look at the areas associated with different
1: pyramids, all around the world, not just the great Egyptian pyramids, but to include those, maybe around Stonehenge and Stonehenges of other locations. There are certain alignments across the globe that you would only know where to set these bricks down on the earth unless Mm -hmm. you had a heavenly viewpoint or a heavenly point of view looking down to get everything aligned. This stuff didn't come from mankind saying, well, let's put up a pile of bricks right here there's a lot to this dimensional portal gateways. One of them that's really interesting and I would encourage listeners go check out what's going on in Mount Graham in Arizona and this telescope that the Catholic church is involved with. And I think the university of Arizona, and there's a lot of really interesting things. I'm not saying that I know all that's going on, but their telescope, the acronym for their telescope is Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And that's not a joke. They really had to try hard to come up with the acronym Lucifer to to fill in the name for each letter to spell Lucifer. That was on purpose. That wasn't an accident. But there's a lot of this weirdness going on that we want to stray away from and say, "Uh, that's magical, mythical, legend. That's fictitious stories. That is things that we can't prove because we can't pull out our measuring tape. It's This big, this long, this wide, Mm -hmm. weighs this much, and it tastes like this, it smells like that, and it feels like this, and it sounds like that, because we're trying to use our five senses for a dimension that's not what we're used to dealing with. The five senses really don't apply to dimensions that are beyond ours. You're stepping outside of this dimension of space, and some people want to say it's time, that's fine. But truly, if we believe the Bible, we know there are portals. We know that Enoch was taken up. We know that the rapture of the church is going to occur, and we're going to be taken up. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, where's the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he's up in the third heaven. Well, how do you get there? And so it's going to take me 45 million light years to get there. No, it's instant. So there's some type of portal dimensional gateways where you step from this dimension to God's dimension. I don't know how it works, but I know
0: that you've got to get there somehow. It's got to be there. Well, and two things to that. One... Going back a second to what we were talking about, you were saying to achieve these things around the world, you would have to have a bird's eye view looking down at it. The best one of those I saw, and I saw this on like history channel or something like that. I was watching but they were talking about how the Stonehenge in England, if you go right out the, what would be the doorway, the opening in the stones, draw a straight line out. It comes directly over the ocean, right over the horizon and perfectly lines up with the doorway at the one in America. Mm-hmm a dead perfect line they face each other perfectly and then there, how do you do that and there's also the intersecting lines
1: from the pyramids that are in Egypt to the pyramids in South right. America and all of this stuff globally around the globe and the globe is not a perfect sphere it's not a perfect ball it bulges in the center and it's a little bit shorter than it is wider mm-hmm. there's a bulge to it so you have you have to account for the curvature of the earth with a non perfect sphere and intersect perfectly, it's crazy. The mathematics is psychotic. How about this? Where's Hades, Sheol, the grave, the abyss? Well, it's in the earth. So it's in the dirt? Right. Or it's in the mantle? It's in the core? It's hot down there. How do you have life? How do you breathe? How do you exist inside of solid matter? And it gets into different deep debates and discussions that I think are totally cool. But there's some sort of portal, dimensional gateway. I believe the Bible I can't explain how it all works, but I believe it. If the Bible says that the abyss is down below, then that's exactly where it's located. Down below, I believe it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have a measuring stick to go outside and measure the door and tell you how big um, how big a creature has to be in order to go through that doorway. I don't. We don't have that. But God's in control of all of His existence on all dimensional planes. You know, we're spiritual mm-hmm. beings. We're not just physical beings. And I think the Christian knows that, but the moment that you start thinking outside to these other dimensions, I think the Christian gets intimidated, or they get scared, or maybe they start taking in these Eastern mysticism, or this other occultic practices and principles of Eastern transcendental meditation, or New Age cultic star worship, stargazing, or pantheism of worshiping goddess Gaia Earth, or these other cultic practices from these other celtic pagan religions or what have you and you start pulling in all this nonsense to try to explain what the bible has to say and that's completely a perverted twist on truth right so there's well you get scared
0: you get scared when you start saying oh there's portals around the planet to transition into the plane that heaven's in well now you're dealing with sci-fi and well me as a christian well i was way I was raised. A preacher never talked about that and they never said anything about no portals, and I'm not buying into that, Mr. Sci Fi Man, and you go back to your books with that kind of mess. But there's so much stuff that through science, not to give science any credit because every scientist on the planet, it seems, not all of them, but the majority of them are doing everything they can to disprove God daily. But a lot of the strides they're making prove God at the same time. And as they're finding new things that one, prove God, but two, it reinvents what we know. And when it reinvents what we know, you have to reinvent how you think and the ways of not who God is, but how God designed things. It has nothing to do with, oh, he's not who I thought he was. It has to do with the world wasn't designed the way I thought it was. It's not as black and white as I thought it was. It's not, I die on the earth and I go to heaven, but there's things going on that I was unaware of. Here's my best way of describing this to people. You can buy scopes that have night vision and they see infrared light. The human eye cannot see infrared light, but you can buy a scope, a piece of technology that does see infrared light and displays it for you. And you can look at the display and say, wow, there's actually light rays going over there and reflecting and coming back. But my eye is not capable of seeing them and nobody can argue with it. You can see it. It's proven. It's been tested, proven. It's fact. Infrared, microwave, gamma radiation. There's so many things the human eye absolutely does not see. We only see the visible spectrum. The prism. Exactly. So in the same way, your eyes only see what your brain can interpret. Your ears only hear what your brain can interpret. Your nerves only sense what your brain is designed to interpret. Your taste buds, your smell only sense what your brain is designed to interpret. It's not that there's not other things around you. It's that you can't see them. You can't hear them. You can't sense them because you are not designed to sense them. You're designed to be blind to them. They exist outside of the physical world. That doesn't mean that they can't affect you physically, it means that you can't feel it when they're affecting you. It doesn't mean that they're not standing in front of you. It means you can't see them. You do not have a way, a natural way of sensing them. That's the key. It doesn't exist. That's why we say the supernatural. Exactly. So the human brain, although it be amazing, is at the same time a limitation designed by God, you're not on a earthly prison, you're not here everything here with you is just the stuff you see and you see everything and everything else spectacular and everything supernatural and everything celestial is somewhere else. It's all right here too. You're not allowed to see it yet. It's undetectable. And the understanding that we will
1: take on the mind of Christ when we get to our glorified body, Mm -hmm. whenever we leave this body, you can go through and read first Corinthians chapter 15. It's amazing chapter. It's read at a lot of funerals talking about how death and the grave, that they have no victory, they have no sting because the death is swallowed up in victory. And then it goes on to talk about our new bodies, that the old body, the perishable will put on imperishable, the corruptible put on incorruptible, and will be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. And whenever you think about these things, we're going to, just as you were saying, what our brain is capable of taking in and Interacting with in this realm, we're going to get a new one that will probably be able to see the full spectrum of color. We just see that narrow spectrum Mm -hmm. of the prism. We'll see the full spectrum of color. We'll be able to hear the full frequency range. There's certain animals that can communicate beyond our hearing. Bats, for instance, too high. Dog whistles. Uh, Dog whistles. Uh, Whales, too low for our hearing. Elephants, probably. I know they communicate, and you can hear some of it and maybe some not. The waves are just too big. The waves are huge. Literally, the waves, if you were to measure the waves, we're talking about many, many, many feet in wavelength, Mm -hmm. and we just can't receive that. Same thing with the taste and then also with our ability to remember and access memories within our being. And As far as our physical being that we have now, the one interesting point, I've done some light research and reading on this subject, but one of the interesting parts of the brain is the pineal gland, which looks like a little pine cone. And you'll see this in Eastern mysticism (laughs) where they'll have a pine cone on the head of their idol or their false pagan god, and it's blown up in this real big shape and size. But there's been some studies to say that that activates and gets going. It lights up, for lack of better words, from studies whenever people are praying or engaging in the spiritual realm. And it could be something satanic or occultic, but that's you're still engaging a spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And people are recognizing that that may be the interface between the spiritual realm and the human body. So whenever scientists start messing with the pineal gland, that may start messing with the lack of, and this is all studies and hypothetical. I'm not saying, you know, this is scripture per se about the pineal gland. But I am saying that this could be something where mankind forfeits their spiritual discernment and they forfeit their capability to now turn to Christ. And I was kind of connecting that theoretically to maybe this is what the mark of the beast would impact, something physical on the body where it cancels. This sounds so simplistic, and God forgive me for butchering this, but maybe it's our physical antenna to communicate on a very limited level into the spiritual realm of his Holy Spirit. And once mm-hmm. you eliminate that antenna, if I can call it that, we just no longer receive any communication from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there's no more
0: salvation available. It's like a spiritual embotomy.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, And I say all that using what I know in the scripture and what I've seen in studies to say, hey, maybe there's something to it from that angle. That you can no longer hear into the spiritual realm. Get around a Christian, talk to them about how do you know that the Holy Spirit's real? And they'll say things like, Oh, I know, I feel it. He mm-hmm. speaks to my conscience. I know when God is with me. And the Christians listening will say, Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then the, the non Christians are saying, I have no clue what you're talking about. And there's a reason, but yeah. there, there's something where that's interfacing and resonating with our being we're saying wow God is real boy he's heavy tonight or he's really strong on my heart or the Holy Spirit of God is heavy upon me you could just feel God moving whenever you're having those high holy moments of worship or you're deep in prayer you're reading the word or God just you know impresses upon you in your alone time or whatever you know it's, it's the walk it can happen at any point yeah you
0: know what I want to, I want to reinforce that at the same time though I want to say I do not support some pastors abroad or wherever that stage people in the audience so they can bring them up and oh god was calling you to be healed and do a whole healing fake thing and say that the holy spirit was communicating to them i don't want people to have only that image in their mind when you talk about that but i've had times where as a worship leader i was on stage and in being on stage we were in the middle of worship i am leading worship a song and there's some person praying and it's on my heart, just it's on me. And I'm looking at that person I'm going, I don't know what it is, but they're going through something. And then not too long after that, they go from just a normal, just solid face without flinching and they just break down. Somebody around them grabs them. Now they're praying together. And I'm like, man, I saw that coming about 30 seconds before it came. Because it's real. There are times that there is a spiritual connection well when the holy spirit's in the room he's not just on you he's on everybody and when he's with everybody everybody is in communion together inside of the holy spirit you have a, a sibling hood if you will you have brothers and you have sisters and everyone is in one in worship and there's something going on there again i don't know what i'm not educated enough to speak to what that is but i can tell you as somebody who's experienced it I know that when you and I are in a room together and we're both seriously worshiping and the spirits on you and the spirits on me, I'm sensitive to you and you're sensitive to me through the spirit. You and I have non-verbally non, not even attempting to, we've just communicated at times. I don't want to say like telepathically, it wasn't like that, but there was just times in the middle of a worship service, we were feeling the same thing. The spirit's telling you one thing and he's telling me the same thing. We just look at each other like, yeah, we know what's, we're going to go one more song or we're going to go two more songs. Just make it up as I go. Or, you know, you're listening to what we're doing with the music and you're like, oh, man, this lesson I planned, this is out the window. We're going to talk about this instead. And the spirit just grabs you in a moment and says, we're going a different direction. I think we're trying to do the best we can to describe how the Holy Spirit interacts
1: with us as Christians, either in our own personal lives or in the setting of ministry or church. And, and right. Adam and I are struggling to put the words together because, again, it's not tangible. It, it, it avoids the five senses. It's impacting our being within. The Bible talks about that we are body, soul, and spirit. I can't tell you how to divide a soul and spirit. I don't know how that works. Studies have been done on the body. We have modern medicine and medical doctor programs and educational institutions where they go through the human body, okay, anatomy and all that. But we're talking about on the spiritual realm and all of that, the spiritual realm, the Holy Spirit, our soul, our spirit, our being, when we step into eternity, that will be the reality. Ashes mm-hmm. to ashes and dust to dust, this flesh body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's got to go back to the ground. That's as simple as it. I can put it. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to go back. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, meaning the soul departs. We talked about Christ giving up the ghost. Jesus Christ's body was still on the cross, hanging there dead after he committed his spirit up out of the body. And then, of course, we know that he went into a different dimension down into the earth to set the captives free, to get the keys to death, hell, and the grave and then he resurrected back into his body whatever his body was in the tomb mm-hmm. with the ceremonial rap that the Jewish priest would do. And he stepped back into his body. Body came back to life. We know that he also ascended up to heaven. Then he came back down, and then we see him appearing in locked rooms and just all of these things that are really amazing. But I wanted to get back to heaven specifically The central entity, the center of heaven is God, his throne. God is known as the great I am, Jehovah. He has many names that we see in Hebrew about him being a healer, a provider, a banner, a strong tower, a protector, a savior, the Lord. All of these things, the heavenly father, Abba, daddy. We have different terms throughout the mainly in Hebrew, but you also see some of this in Aramaic and in Greek. But the bottom line is is that God the Father exists in heaven. The throne is there. We have some description in Old and New Testament records about the throne being surrounded in a rainbow, that there's fiery stones before his throne, that there's many large sounds of thunderings. And when we have those that were called up to heaven, like specifically John, he's hearing these thunderings. He can't even describe it because I think, again, that's beyond the frequency that we're used to hearing here on the earth, he can't say it sounds like a waterfall, but it sounds like mm-hmm. thunder from lightning, but it also sounds like many horses running to battle. He's trying to use all these things from his day on the planet, but it's beyond that. The same thing with the color. He kept saying it was like mm-hmm. it was like a rainbow. It was like thunderings because it's something that he's never seen before.
0: Well, and he describes the rainbow around the throne. He says it's like a rainbow made of emeralds. So, there's more than one color, but it's like it's cut and shaped and solid like an emerald. you know it he's
1: doing the best he can, yeah, it's how, amazing how do you describe that it's amazing, and that's what's gonna be exciting. We will be in a different dimension with far more capabilities mm-hmm. in our what we would think of our five senses it's gonna be beyond that. Mm-hmm. Remember what happens whenever God looks upon a person? He doesn't look at the outward, he looks at the inward. God knows what we're thinking. He knows the intentions of mankind. You don't have to say anything. We can pray quietly. Imagine that. So (laughs) God can tune in, whatever you want to call it, to our thoughts, and it's as plain as day to him. There's no encryptedness that he can't figure out. Even your own thoughts are bare and naked before the Lord. And I believe that we're going to have an expansion of those capabilities to communicate with God to communicate with each other, to know each other in an intimate way, not to be flesh and and sexual. That's not my comment there. My comment is that it's an intimate of being to being, spirit to spirit, who God made us, not in the flesh, but as our being. Well, and you also have to
0: look at it's a glorified body. So people operate in a world of emotions. People make stupid decisions based on emotions like, oh my gosh, I just really wanted that or Oh, I just, I really love them. Or they say, I love them and they're lusty. When you're in a glorified body, everything is going to become clear, in my opinion. So there's no longer, my thoughts are blurred by lust. I thought it was love, but it was really lust. And there's no more, I was so stressed out and I was so angry that I wasn't thinking. No, good and bad are going to be separate in your vision. Not that you're going to be programmed to only be good, but light and dark, good and bad are going to be as obvious as black and white and your ability and your maturity is going to be to the point of why would I even stray toward that? And the grace of all that my father has done here. Why would I even move that direction? And so when you say, Oh, I'm not even talking about sexual, I don't think sexual is even on the board because you're removing lust. Christ said that if you even look on a woman lustfully that you've committed adultery so it's sin instantly
1: right and not only it only that, can't be there i don't see any record or any mention in the bible about procreation once we get to eternity right not that i've identified i'm not going to sit here and say that that will not happen because i've been there and i know i'm saying from reading the scriptures i don't see where procreation takes place after eternity or once we step into eternity
0: right Well, see i heard somebody talking about that one time and they were talking about the idea of This is a big if, because you and I sitting here look at the Garden of Eden and say, not the man didn't have free choice, but God knew where it was going. I've heard some people say, well, if men hadn't sinned in the garden, the garden basically would have been equal to the new earth. If sin had never been brought into this earth, this would be the glorified earth. Would they have procreated? Would Adam and Eve have had kids and had kids and had kids and had us? Or would it have just stopped with Adam and Eve that God was happy with two, but, oh, now there's sin, they're going to have to die, so now they can procreate. But that can't be the case because he created one of each. Well, and I would also say that
1: Genesis, we have record where God commanded the population of the earth, mm-hmm. whereas the Bible does not have record of procreation and eternity. The record stands. Genesis, God states, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Right. I don't have record in the Bible where God says be fruitful and multiply heaven and eternity or the new heaven and the new earth. That's not there. The souls already exist and the souls that either died in Christ or the ones that were raptured up whatever whatever the case may be, once we're all gathered together, those will be the ones who inherit eternity,
0: and God's kingdom forever. Yeah, and that's not to discount the thousand-year reign. In the thousand-year reign, not everybody is glorified. You will still have procreation, not necessarily to those who are in the kingdom of heaven. That's correct. But to those that are still on the earth, still in a natural, normal life cycle, you will still have procreation there. I also
1: want to point out, too, I just came to mind, I've been in many youth groups, and you get all kinds of questions from the students especially. and. You get questions like, My favorite pet just died. Will my pet be waiting on me in heaven? And we don't have any type of record in the Bible with a definite yes on that. Jesus Christ did not come to die on the cross in order to save the souls of animals. We do have record that Jesus Christ will redeem creation back to himself and that creation eagerly waits and groans for his return and the redemption. So there could be some alluding to that direction. Now, we also want to point out that there are animals in heaven. We also have record of Jesus Christ coming back to the earth, riding on a horse and all of those following him were riding on horses. We also have record that there are creatures in heaven. So you can see where some people begin to theorize based off of scriptures and references in an indirect way that pets will be in heaven.
0: We were talking about the creatures in heaven. Like, you have the description of the four creatures at the throne of God, and the description is wild. Like, it's scary. You have one with the face of a man, one with the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Four creatures. Each of them has six wings. Two, they cover their feet. Two, they cover their body. Two, they fly. They have eyes both in front and back. Their whole thing is they just hang out in the throne room, worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And that's it. That's all they say. I think it was you. Somebody I've talked to was like, dude, they got eyes front and back. They see everything and they're covering themselves. And every time a wing moves, they see some new aspect of God they'd never saw before. And they just got to say it again.
1: They're caught in total worship with the Lord and it's inescapable glory. And they're completely created for the sole purpose to glorify God nonstop.
0: Yeah. And see another problem with the way we think is here on earth in humanity, in this body, we're driven by all kinds of things. We're driven by money. We're driven by personal goals. We're driven by family, keeping people safe or whatever. And so it's, I go to work. Why do I go to work to make money? Why do I need money to achieve whatever? I'm looking for what I'm trying to do. I'm looking for the things I'm trying to provide. I'm looking to get things for me. I'm looking to build a life. I'm looking to sustain what I have. We're driven. When you get to heaven, there's no more drive. There's no economy in heaven. Your house is provided. It's There's your place in the new Jerusalem. So there's no, you don't get up and go to work every day. You don't have to provide for anybody; it's provided for everyone, and so you're left in a world of this mindset of me, 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 my, my, mine. That that whole way of thinking it goes out the window. It doesn't even apply anymore. If you go to heaven and like, I gotta wake up tomorrow morning and I gotta clean the house, dude. House doesn't get dirty here. Well, I gotta, I gotta make money. Money doesn't exist here. The streets are made of gold. If you want, go chip up a corner of the street. <laughs> but you're destroying God's creation. Yeah. I, you know, I thought about uh, what all we're going to be doing
1: in heaven and just hypothesizing. I've wondered things such as, will I be able to have one mansion with my wife in heaven? I've thought about, well, what happens to those who are widowed and then remarried and then they have multiple wives? Who do you live with? Or you don't live with them anymore. Paul says it'd be better not to remarry. Maybe. And then I had my own theory. Well, maybe he said that because he knew that if you're married one time and then you're faithful, your entire marriage, one of you passes before or whatever, or you die together, then there's a special reward for those who were married only to one person in heaven. And maybe that's you get to have eternity with your spouse in the same mansion. Not to say it's a sexual thing, but it's a companion thing. It's your spouse, my wife and I, we entered into the second holiest covenant known to man. It's right. marriage designed by God. The institution of marriage was designed by God. And so it's of the Lord. It's good for man to be married. In fact, in Genesis, it says that it's not good for man to be alone. So I kind of think about these things, and I'm totally excited that my wife is a born-again Christian and that we get to go to heaven and we'll be there forever in the presence of God, and we get to enjoy each other's company forever. That's totally exciting to me. I also wonder about eating now we have the marriage supper of the lamb. So we know that there's going to be a meal in heaven. Right. And I wonder, Oh, and and we also have the, the tree of life that produces the 12 different types of fruit. And I wonder, do we eat the fruit and that's it? Or do we have different types of food? Do we need food? Do we need sleep? Do we have beds because we need to go to bed and lay down and rest, or we have just continuous energy Do we have to go to the bathroom?
0: I've also wondered about that. Well, and I've wondered about do you have, oh, this is my house for even if you said me and my spouse or just me. Is there even a point in time where you're like, okay, I'm going to go home and be alone? Why am I going to leave the throne (laughs) of God, you (laughs) pagan? (laughs) Like, is there, so is there even like houses and all that? Or is it you're just with God and that's what we're all doing? We're all just kind of like everybody's in this big shopping mall together. (laughs) We're all just hanging out. That's what we're doing. I Um, mean,
1: that's a, well, you totally just, belittled heaven to a shopping mall
0: i'm just saying like every shopping shopping malls are painful for me man it's like everybody's at church and we're all just in church and we're worshiping and but instead of four hours it just doesn't stop
1: yeah i mean some people say it's one big church service and i don't think that's correct either because we have the americanized church thing in our head but i will say i have thought about mansions okay we think of things on a two-dimensional plane or, I guess, three dimensional, if you will, but a flat earth. Okay. Right. This is your lot. This is where you build your house up off the ground. Well, whenever you look at the New Jerusalem, it's a three dimensional city. Mm-hmm. It's 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles tall. And there have been mathematicians that have done scientific equations about what it means to be in a mansion and then approximately how many people are born again, and then how much room would that leave for each individual to have their own mansion within this cube right. that that's called the New Jerusalem. And it worked. Fathom that. The Bible's right. But it worked <laughs> to provide the space. And then I got to thinking, well, if we're in a three-dimensional city, first of all, how do you get the light in there? And then, of course, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we don't need light because God is light. And then, how do you enter into it? Well, it does mention there's three gates on each of the sides. I say, so twelve give, gates. So it gives you twelve gates, three on each
0: side. Well, but not just that. But you're talking about light, just to interject. It says the walls are like glass. Yeah. So does that mean you can see in my mansion? What yeah. happens if I'm changing
1: my robe? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think about these things. It's absolutely exciting to me because I think of my house or right. your house, whether it's an apartment, a trailer condominium a duplex whatever type of living arrangement it's still basically the same thing it sits on the ground and it's built up into so many dimensions and it has certain types of plumbing and certain types of electrical for your lights and mm-hmm. you know that's what you go to but here all of these things do we need plumbing water do we need light do we need electrical appliances i would quickly say we're already thinking incorrectly if that's what we're thinking about mansions. That's not how it's going to be. Now I did request no. I did request to have a huge awesome aquarium in my place. But that was just me. <laughs> well, and my cat. And he better leave the fish alone. <laughs> right?
0: Well, and you have a uh, you have the description of the river of life running from God, from right. the throne with the trees of life on both sides of the river. Whenever we think about these certain things,
1: I know I know you're talking about the river of life and the trees of life. And all of these items and features that we quickly reference, most amazing river you've ever seen in your life. Maybe it's up in the mountains somewhere. If you're in America, there's some amazing rivers in Colorado and the Rockies. Um, You may think of some other awesome place on the planet that I've never been to, but is even better than that. When you think of trees, you think of the most majestic trees you've ever seen, whether it's the redwoods or some large cypress trees or some large cedar trees but I completely assume these trees in this river is going to be much better than that. So we we kind of identify with the features, but again, the three dimensional, the cubed city, how how do we travel up and down versus is it gate portals? I mean, how do you jump from level to level? What do the
0: mansions look like? How are they shaped? All those things is still foreign to me. Well, okay. So two things. So one thing in talking about like the way the river is, in Revelation 4, when he's describing the throne of God, he says, and before it, there's a sea of glass like crystal, but it's a sea of it. So in my head, it's moving like water, but it's glass crystal. That's wild. Like a liquid solid yeah, type, translucent. Like, like if it's moving, you almost expect it by like cracking and breaking, but not. I do not. I don't even know where to go with that. But we're talking about the... How do you move around in the New Jerusalem, Pastor Terry, who was the pastor at the church where Phil and I met, he was talking about the New Jerusalem one time, and I remember him talking about all things answer to God, including gravity and the I'm trying to think of the word, I guess the density it's not the density but the uh how easily you can move through something, how like the walls themselves answer to God. You don't know what the glorified body is. You can probably move through walls, or we can go back to what you just said—the portal aspect, traveling at the speed of thought or faster. Are you capable of more or less? Would become like mental portals, like you think of a place and you—I not want to say teleport because people have a very sci-fi thought in their head. Hollywood, but yeah, but at the desired thought. And this is a cool thing. So at the desired thought, you go from the Sombrero Galaxy to your mansion in New Jerusalem, and at no point in time did you leave the presence of God. That'd be cool. Because you're traveling through the presence of God, through the will of God, because God is. Right. In the universe that exists now, we see things are made
1: of molecules. Well, let's break it down further. Things are made of atoms, and atoms have subatomic particles to make up the completion of one atom. Each of these atoms are put together to make different molecules. The molecules are put together to make large mass. But have you ever
0: studied how much negative space there is in an atom? Correct. Like they're mostly gap.
1: Correct. And they're always in vibration. Not to get into sound and all that, but sound is the vibration through the atmosphere. That's why sound cannot exist in the expanse of space because the molecules are not together to carry the sound waves. There's no gas. Correct. Well, any type of matter. It could be in a gas state, a liquid, a solid, and then you could even go to the point of plasma. But whenever you speak of how things exist in the universe with these different atoms and they're always in vibration, I very strongly believe number one, that that's still the leftover vibration of when God spoke into existence everything that's still vibrating from his word. Secondly, what holds all of these atoms together? Why does matter stay together and just not explode simultaneously? Why does the bond stay there? Mm-hmm. But, you know, why does atoms just leave each other and gap out into a formless shape or entity or floating atoms in disorder? Well, it's because God holds it together. We have the scripture that God holds all things together, even the invisible things. And so whenever you're talking about a body moving through another body, maybe God just shifts the atoms to where all the atoms belonging to that being passes through the item and then reassembles perfectly on the other side at whatever speed, you know, I'm just thinking from a scientific point of view of just something. I mean, I may be completely wrong, but that's what goes through my mind when I'm thinking, how could that be? And I don't have the mind of God in a perfect glorified state and all of that. I read the word. I know that it's real. I completely believe it. And it's fun to try and ponder these things, not leaving the natural order of how God has created creation, not to leave that and forsake that behind, because we do know that we will have Jesus Christ come down and set up his kingdom for a thousand years in this existence. And I do believe there will be some restoration to that. Secondly, after the millennial reign, we read in Second Peter chapter 3 that there's going to be a renovation by fire, that there's going to be a burning, a renovation. It says the earth is destroyed by fire, paraphrasing, But that word destroy is much like how the earth was destroyed by water during the flood in Noah's day. And so it's not a destruction like the earth ceases to exist, but it's a renovation of the earth, a renovation of heaven to where there's a new earth and a new heaven. And then now maybe the dimensions change. Maybe the laws of nature is what we would like to call it. Change, gravity, what it takes to sustain life the mode and manner in which we travel, the mode and manner in which we communicate, the mode and manner in which God exists and how we see him, all of that is a total game changer. So then I would say the way that we exist now, there's no way that we could apply the laws of nature into what's coming in the new heaven and the new earth because it's all new. God resets it in a much better way for eternity. Time stops.
0: Well, and you have a new heaven and a new earth and you have a new nature. You have a, I mean, what does it say about trees? Well, not a whole lot. Is it going to be the same trees? Might be new trees. Because, I mean, the water looks like glass. It says it's the tree of life. Nobody even knows what that thing looked like. It might be trees of glass. It might be trees of sapphire. It could be
1: a tree made of substance that we've never even seen before. We're talking yeah. about the periodic chart. Maybe all of that is thrown out. And because we have a whole new periodic table with a whole new design of elements and things that we didn't even know existed. I mean, we're talking outside of the box of what we know as scientists. I'm not a scientist, but people who study atoms and matter, the physical scientists of what we know on the periodic table that exists to make up all of our
0: molecules with whatever combinations. See, and I'm glad you said that because you have, when you have the periodic table, you have, okay, so hydrogen, it has one, um, electron. electron and it's got one proton and it's got one neutron it's got one of everything helium's got two electrons you know and and on up, up the of up the chart and so it's basically like you have the atomic format of here's the nucleus it's got protons and neutrons and it's circled by the electron in a spherical
1: orbit not, yeah, it's not like circular a cloud. not circular but spherical
0: yeah, it's, like, it's kind of like a cloud when you see it. It's traveling so fast. Even one is just a blur under a microscope, but still. So that's the atomic format designed by God. And okay, so that's what one looks like. But if you take the combination that blows my mind, always has. So you have hydrogen that is one. You have oxygen that's eight. They're both gases, but when you put them together, you get water. That blows my mind. And I know that somewhere is a scientist that can explain it. I know they've explained why that combination works out. But let me interrupt
1: there because matter can exist in the three different states, gas, liquid, and solid, depending on temperature. And again, plasma is a different dynamic It exists. Mm-hmm. It's like solid existing in a liquid form, but it's still really a solid. It's, kind of, it's solid that
0: flows. It's like gel.
1: Yeah, it's like a solid that flows. It's not really wet, but it flows. It has it doesn't really hold a shape, a defined shape. It it's a liquid solid.
0: Yeah. But anyway, that's extreme temperatures and extreme pressures, but but so you have a god that works in an atomic way. He designs the atom. These things are going to bond together in this way. They're going to share electrons, and when they start sharing electrons and bonding, they create new things. New things like water from two gases. To me, that's incredible. And the higher up the, up the table you go, the heavier things get. But so you have a God who designs the atom, designs, you know, if you add an electron, it becomes this. Hydrogen is ridiculously flammable. You add an electron, you get helium, crazy little things like that. And he designs this, they go together. And so basically it's like this. It's like he designed a puzzle. Or you know what? Better than that. He designed a Lego set. There's different Legos and different brick shapes, and they're all on the table. But you can take those different bricks, and you can build a car. You can take those different bricks, and you can build a building. You can take those different bricks and build a person. They're found in
1: everything. As just say, in exactly. living beings they're and building stars bricks. and universe and planets and everything.
0: Yeah, and so we exist in that Lego brick world. God exists outside that Lego brick world, and heaven is outside of it so right now your mind it's like we're in the original lego movie it's like go watch go watch (laughs) mind-blowing go watch lego batman and the way the the, first lego movie the first lego movie too but like in lego batman that thing where like the city i don't want to ruin the movie so we'll go to the first lego movie but like in the first lego movie where they're all working together and building skyscrapers and all this stuff, that's the world that we're boxed in. And then he falls out of that world onto the floor and he's looking around like, what is this? And he's in the real world with a kid that there's something beyond the bricks. Like there's something beyond, br- you know, that's how it is though. You mean this is a half eaten sucker? Right. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> right. Well, so, but, but that's how it is. I mean that, so when you get you to didn't heaven, you just dumb that down to what heaven is, did you? I'm just saying. So when you get to heaven, it's exactly like that. You're stepping outside of the, the Lego brick, world, of the world of the, the atom, the building block. Designed by God is his way of saying, okay, I'm going to create this thing, and they interact like this, and they work like this, and I can use these two together to make this, and these two to make water, and these two to make grass, and these to make this, and you everything's, practically everything based in carbon. Anything that burns, it has a carbon base. Well, Be- not not quite, but most. Well, yeah.
1: Most of it's carbon-based, but anyway, organic.
0: Yeah. And so, he designs the atom. He designs the way they work together, and he builds everything you know—the the cosmos, universe—out, universe. yes, out of atoms, and an un, just an unfathomable amount of them. Who knows how many? I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's not possible. I can't even tell you how many the sun has, and there's billions on billions of, of, of trillions of suns out there, just stars everywhere. So that's what you're dealing with. You're right now. We in the way that we are, we're boxed inside of the world of the atom and stepping into heaven. You're stepping outside of it. You're stepping through the curtain. You're stepping into what we were saying earlier about a, a new plane. You're stepping into a different dimension. You're stepping into a celestial place that we don't, what we, we can't even describe.
1: We, again, we don't have, we can't use our five senses and our measuring stick and our scaled away and take that with us in this next dimension to get our mind wrapped around this thing.
0: Yeah. Like beyond that.
1: And and then how many dimensions are there? Some people say that there's many dimensions, not just the next dimension, but many dimensions. And I want to also point out some other features of heaven. There's not going to be any more temptation of sin. There's not going to be any more penalty of sin, death, sickness, illness. That's going to be amazing. Just the fact that we don't have Satan and the fallen ones and our own sinful flesh, constantly at war with our spirit, constantly at war against God's Holy Spirit, but instead we'll be at peace, a final rest, enough of the sin, no more attack on our soul and our spirit, no more of that heavy oppressive bombardment. The absence of evil and the full presence of holiness and righteousness, wow, what an amazing environment to be in to go right. along with the you know, three-dimensional Jerusalem. Obviously, it's the total presence of God. The believers, can you imagine being surrounded by nothing but Christians and not the wicked, not the fallen? It's going to be nothing but believers. And I've also wondered, too, like, how will we be able to remember those who didn't make it to heaven? I believe that we're going to be witnesses at both judgments. Number one, we're going to participate in one of the judgments. I'm talking about for souls. There's other judgments besides the souls. But you have the judgment seat of Christ, and Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And Paul was talking to the Christians. He said, we must all appear. And it's whether you did good or bad. Now, this has nothing to do with did you obtain salvation. You obtain salvation— And then now, this is what takes you to this judgment. We call it the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And then you have the other judgment for humans, the Great White Throne Judgment. Now, at the seat of both of these judgments is Jesus Christ. They're two different events. And whenever the Great White Throne Judgment occurs, you have the lost souls who died in sin are resurrected up to judgment. And then they are judged for their sins outside of Christ and then ultimately cast into the burning lake of sulfur out into. Outer darkness, and that's where they will remain forever. While the Christians will inherit eternity with the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. So we will be separated permanently from wickedness. And all of those people were cast out. And now we're going to be surrounded by good neighbors. We're going to mm-hmm. have godly people, people who want to glorify God, people, who, the redeemed, the saints of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And that's going to be fantastic. No more debate about what's right, what's wrong. No more debate about, well, this is acceptable in my eyes. No, we're all going to be worshipers of the same God, the only God. That's going to be amazing. So those are the things that we don't want to overlook. My body gets tired of dealing with sin. My body just gets tired, period. I have to go to sleep. I have to try to eat well. I have to try to drink well. I have to to try to get some sort of form of exercise. I've got to try to take things that are nutritious and vitamins to so that things don't ache and hurt and pop and I can <laughs> kinda do what I need to do. And no. but I can still tell that this body is heading to the grave. It's not gonna make it. It's going down. I'm trying to keep it going, put some more duct tape on it and you know, get some more glue and keep things going, but
0: it's gonna go down. Yeah, I was and, I was driving to work this morning and I was listening to a podcast about just health. Just different things that they've found of different foods to eat that do whatever in the body to extend it. And I was tuned in. I was just like, oh.
1: I want to live.
0: Broccoli sprouts. (laughs) I'm going to write that down. Broccoli sprouts. Like You actually want sprouts. You want to sprout them yourself. You want them fresh. You don't want them frozen. You want to chop them. Leave them for so long so that there's time for the enzymes to come out. Then you want to eat that. And they're going to taste like dirt. So they're easiest in a smoothie. They said that. And I I was like really taken by that. Like, yeah, I want to know this because yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, I'm only 32 now, but, I, but anyways. the body, but the body is not going to make it,
1: you know, the body is oppressed by evil. It's bombarded by illness. It's tempted in sin and it's a complete and total labor intensive walk through this world to crucify the flesh, to deny self, to seek God, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And then finally, whenever we get to our glorified, resurrected bodies, then you have the total completion of the redemptive process of mankind.
0: Right, and let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about just the relief of temptation. Think about life without temptation. There's no longer sexual temptation. There is no longer anger, temptation, temptation, to just get ticked and go off, it, whatever it is that temp, food temptation in the way of gluttony, all temptation alleved, just it's gone. And again, like we were saying earlier, you're walking in a mature, clear, level-headed. You see things black and white. You're no longer emotional. Temptation has been pulled away. You're not even like, oh, but I really want it. That's gone. We live life in temptation, even if it's not necessarily bad things. You're on a diet and there's cake. I just I, <laughs> as
1: temptation. I, I I just think of Christ saying, "Enter into my rest, my eternal rest." Very much. I think it's the rest from the temptation, from the oppression, from the wickedness that has left you with disease and illness, um, a disturbed and distraught soul. Remember, we still have memories of our sin which haunt us. Mm-hmm. I believe all that's going to be taken away. I do believe we're going to witness those that are being judged, but I don't think that we're going to be forever sorrowful. That they were cast out in the sense that that ruins our happy time in heaven, and I, I use the word happiness very carefully. It's more of joyous, and there is a difference between happiness. Happiness is like happenstance; it's fleeting. It's very fleeting, and it's very conditional, and it's very momentary. Whereas joy is a permanent thing that resonates and it remains. And I believe that whenever we see and look upon the judgment of Christ upon the wicked and the fallen, that. We will see that as a just move, that God is vindicating his righteousness upon this wickedness. We will see that as being complete, that God's judgment and wrath is satisfied. And we long for that in our soul. We don't want anybody to go to hell and perish in that manner. But I do mm-hmm. believe that they're being cast into outer darkness is a satisfaction that wickedness has now been dealt with by God himself. It's been finalized. Now we can rest. We can enter into God's eternal rest where these things are not impacting us. where We don't have the schemes of wickedness, the enemy constantly trying to take us down and trip us up and make us sin and get us away from God and get us away from his word and prayer and going to church and doing what we're supposed to be doing in our lives, in our marriages and our families and our jobs and with our friends and so on. And I think we're going to be, hallelujah, praise God. He reigns. He reigns. He gave us victory over death, hell, grave, the sin, the temptation, the oppression. All of those things are done away with permanently.
0: Right. And so there, there's this, I'm going to reference this and you, you're going to be like, Oh, that guy. So Derek Webb. Oh my gosh. that guy. <laughs> Is really? a Christian artist. Oh, that's loosely put. He's a Christian artist. And his second solo album, after he left Cabin's call, it was called the house show is a live recording of him playing in a house. And he talks a lot on that CD. He talks a lot like in between the songs. And in one of them, he's talking about how the best thing that could ever happen to him is for all of his sins to be put uh, just up on big screens in front of everybody and that he bare and exposed in front of everyone that they could see him for, him for who he really is. And he says, what that would do is I would have nothing left but God if I couldn't hide anymore. And that's what it's going to be like. In heaven, because all of everything that you've done, you've been judged, whether or not it's been exposed to everybody, I don't know, but you've been judged. All those things that you're spending all day, every, oh, if anybody knew about this, or oh, if anybody knew that I had these thoughts, or oh my gosh, I hope that this never comes out. I've got to just keep burying this for the rest of my life like it's I a have It's oh, a it burden. It's a burden. It's a total it's burden. Yeah, it's gone. It's off your shoulders. Even if everybody knows about it, you would still rejoice that everybody knows about it because your mindset's changed. You no longer sit in there like, oh, i love to have this. I just don't want anybody to know. Instead, you're going, that thing's gone. That's not even a part of me. Thank you, God, for taking it away. It's gone and hallelujah.
1: This is such deep theology because Jesus Christ says that my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Again, come to me, all you that are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Those who are thirsty, I'll give you. I'll give you drink from the water of life. I am the bread of life, and you'll never hunger again. All of these things, he's pointing to the dimension of eternity. Not that oh, the fajitas are going to be so good up here; you're never going to want anything <laughs> else. Oh, this water that's flowing—I mean, there will be a little river up there. But my point is, is that we quickly gravitate to the earthly things and try to attribute what that means up there. But this is the spiritual world. This is for real. This is the reality, not this momentary time on earth in this body. Um, there's mm-hmm. another thing going back to that judgment seat of Christ for the Christians that we're going to be judged and uh, for what we have done, whether good or bad, when we get to heaven. And whenever we get to heaven, and I didn't really get into the rewards or even prep that, but whenever we look at the, the rewards, whenever we go to the Bema seat, which if you do any study on this, the BEMA seat was basically the winner's podium after ancient Olympics. Okay, so everybody placed and that is able to get up on this BEMA seat and they get the award based off of their placement in these competitions. Paul was making the parallel of Christians walking the walk of God on this planet and that we beat our bodies into submission so that we might win the race, just as a runner beats his body to win the race. In these competitions and that we would appear before Christ at the Bema seat to be rewarded upon what we've done, the performance that we gave to the Lord. This has nothing to do with earning salvation. This is the result of how we lived based on God's laws and what's righteous because he sees the intent of our heart. So it's only going to be things that were pure. And so all of these things that we look at are important from God's that we look at it from a God point of view we're going to have certain types of crowns. We're going to have certain types of garments. Things are named in the Bible, gown of salvation, robe of righteousness, the martyrdom's crown, the soul winner's crown. There's blessings for reading the book of Revelation. There's blessings and a reward for those waiting and longing for the return of Christ. There's a soul winner's crown for those that are evangelizing and on and on. And and, and there's many things that I believe aren't even listed in the Bible, but they're alluded to that we, will receive the reward whenever we are doing things to glorify God and inside of His will that His Holy Spirit is using us to be His hands and feet to advance the kingdom of God, to proclaim the truth, to read the Bible, understand it, apply it in our life, and God looks down on that regardless of who's around seeing this. God is always watching, and He will come, and He will judge us, and it will be perfect. He's not going to mess up on the judgment. It's going to be perfect. And then the rewards that you've done will be given to you by God with perfect accuracy, reflecting the work that you did while on the planet. That to me is remarkable. And I believe as we go through heaven and we're interacting with other believers in eternity, we will be able to look upon those other individuals and see the rewards that were bestowed them and be able to immediately recognize the type of life that, in Christ that they were leading what they were doing for the Lord while on the planet and how they were serving God, or maybe not so much serving God. Now they're all saved, but what they were doing for the Lord while they were here,
0: like the different crowns or different colors or some kind of different denotion that tells you, you know, that's what that one is. Like, Oh, he's got the soul winners crown. This
1: person was martyred for the cause of Christ,
0: which is a huge one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All of the world of these days, when you hear the word martyr, It's always in Islam. It's always in martyrs for jihad or martyrs for Allah, whatever. So that's where you hear the word martyr these days. Nobody says martyr in the way of Christians. and I mean, in China, they might. Chinese Christians live a horrible life because they're targeted. In America, though, it's so easy. I mean, our media is, oh, the martyrs over there, the martyrs over there, because here Christians are, we don't know what martyrism is. We don't even know what it is to suffer. At least not for the name of Christ. The persecution that we experience
1: here in America is completely different from the persecution that Christians face abroad, that Christians face in other countries where false religions are hostile to Christians on a physical level where they are going to hunt them down and kill them. Whereas here, it's more of a political rejection or a social rejection. It's a ostracizing, which will ultimately lead to a physical persecution, a physical rejection, or a physical attack. We know that's where it's all going when we get to the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and that climactic point. But whenever we get to heaven, we'll be able to recognize who was serving Christ with full obedience, and God is keeping track of every single Christian on the planet, whoever existed, whoever will exist, and he will know exactly how they lived for the Lord or to what degree, to what extent in suffering. Whenever we go through this world, God demands of us obedience, and that could be obedience through persecutions, through trials, through testing, and then the results of that testing and will be demonstrated at the judgment seat of Christ. I almost kind of liken it to military. You can see different people's ranks or which mm-hmm. uh, branch of service they were in, or maybe medals of different campaigns or which rank that they occurred, or if they had purple hearts, or any type of honorary awards, to whatever degree, different stars. And I think that's a little bit of a simplification of God's kingdom and how he's going to adorn his saints. But I think this should be motivation for each one of us. Serve the Lord with zeal. Serve the Lord with accuracy to his word. And God is going to look down, and anything that was done in, quote-unquote, ministry that was not mm-hmm. in line to glorify God will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. Only what's pure will remain. And that's a really cool thing to know that the rewards are going to be legit. Nothing is going to be cheated, overlooked, or unfair are impartial, none of that. Everything is going to be exactly perfect. Everybody got exactly what they deserved, and it's going to mean something
0: because it's coming from God. Well, in episode two, we thought about some of you will get in, but as if just barely escaping through the flames. And there you go. It's like, hey, you were saved, but everything you did was for the wrong motivation.
1: That's sad. We don't want to be like that.
0: This is how we want to end this episode. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. If you appreciate what we're talking about. Subscribe, please follow, share with a friend, share with anybody that like Phil said earlier, do pray for us. We appreciate it. It's not for nothing. Um, I do promise you that we find times in our life where Phil and I have throughout the years of ministry, several times come into a room before a church service or whatever, and just sit down with each other just to get ready a little like pre ministry, you know, prayer and just you know, to get focused and one of us or the other, or both of us will just sit down and man, do the devil's coming at me today, man, this week, he is, it's fiery arrows all day, man, I am spent, man, my spirit is under attack, things like that. So we know what that's like. We do appreciate any prayer that's important to us. We don't overlook that. We don't discount that we've been in ministry before and we felt that. So yeah, do pray for us. Like he said, as I said, if you like it, feel free to subscribe, share it with somebody. But what we want to do is this. We want to close with, Phil is going to read Revelation chapter 21 and 22. It's the last two chapters in the entire Bible. And it's the new heaven and the new earth, followed by the new Jerusalem. And it's John the Revelator so writing what he saw as the new heaven and earth came to be. And as the new Jerusalem came down and the full description of it and everything we've kind of been talking about tonight and everything we've been kind of referencing to the walls of glass, three gates on each side, the cubicle design its all in this, but it's the part of the Bible that really describes it. And it's the ending of the Bible with such a powerful ending that it has. And so Phil's going to read this. Thank you for listening.
1: Revelation chapter 21, verse one. and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates, and the names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, its breadth, and its height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysopras, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, Amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruits every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps these words of this prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's about like what we typically do. Oh, that's pretty good. That yeah, works for me. That's a lot better. You're going to have to come up. You see, I've got a bigger spread there.
0: Than what I do? Well, yeah, you're right up on the mic at that point. Well, yeah, cause discussion area, I'm normally about right here, and I float out to about here and then back in. I know. Yeah, look behind you. That was see that real big. Yep, that, and then that's where you were. Gotcha. I'm trying to stay right here.
1: All right. Well, I've got the benefit of watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I got the benefit of, a uh, no more you. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> All right. You ready to kick it off? Yeah. Your mic has what feels like a snare rattle to the top of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like a real. Yes. In the faded background of everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. But you know, whenever I'm listening to it, like it's, I pick it up right now. But whenever I'm listening to it on the edit, I don't really hear it that much. Yeah, I hear it, it's driving me nuts. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I hear yours sounds clean. It ends when it's supposed to end. Mine's got like this weird, like I'm in a tin can or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like that's well, like when you're playing a snare drum with no like Remo dampener on it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Bing. It's got a real long. I was thinking, I was thinking
1: more like with the beads, and they're like.
0: Yeah. Like, you get, you get the beads engaged to me. Oh, you mean the snares on the bottom? Yeah. The, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But if you play it without the dampener. It's just like a tom. Like, it's. It, well, instead of. You get. ping. Yeah. It, but the ring has a. The, the, to it. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. All right. <gasps> Is this the. Yeah. That was you going ping. <laughs> All right. I'm in a good mood today. Good. We're
1: gonna need it. We will need it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we will need it. Gratefully accepted. <laughs> what are you doing? Fighting pain. That was unnecessary. Only you. <laughs> we will be the Joker's reckoning. <laughs> the whole movie, man. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Victory believe- has defeated you. Well, it was just funny that in Lego Batman they put in Tom hardy's bane voice on the cartoon bane it was hilarious i think you're right i think i am quieter than you i know you are
1: yeah bring it up a little bit more
0: better better now
1: yeah but i mean you're right there on the mic if you drift no this isn't
0: on the mic this is on the mic yeah leave it this is my drift
1: i think so all Uh, right cool whatever it is just stay consistent once we fire it off all All right
0: all right you ready Oh, yeah, we're already recording.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we're going to start at 6.50. What
0: is it? 6.49. <laughs> I have indigestion from so much water. I think you're nervous. I went downstairs and my wife and just, just pulled the chicken out of the oven. and I was like, I'm going to get some of these waters. And...
1: <laughs> no one would ever know. I was like, going
0: to be like, hey, I want some chicken. And I was like, thanks. Right. You're up here like. We're <laughs> some chicken. Food would be nice.
1: <laughs> Where will be the poultry's reckoning? Chicken has defeated you. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> I want to go. Let's go. Let's kick it off. Oh, I just had to get one. Again. Hold okay. on. Let me verify my notes one last time. Just for Yep,
1: we're still in episode four. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll- I'm going to do Nice guitar. Ready. Okay. This doesn't need to be near me. But just in case, go ahead and open it. You ready? Yeah. I'm an expert. It smells like, <laughs> looks like, and tastes like fajitas. A Whataburger. <laughs> oh, fajitas, man. If you've ever had a Whataburger. Um, Sorry, Lord. Please forgive us. <laughs> fajitas do taste No, good. so here is so here, so the idea. Yeah, that's sweet. We talked about one being on top of Mount Cyanide. Um, cyanide. <laughs> that sounds like a deadly mountain.
1: <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Hold on. Let me get it all out of here. <laughs> Take it. take it a second. That's new on me. I've never heard of Mount Cyanide, but I do want to stay away from that one. I I'll just to, look at pictures. I misspoke I on that one. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> well, you just get on your little space buggy and you... I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so it's going to take me 45 million light years to get there. No, it's instant. So Now, my first cat that I ever had, I had two... My first one was an amazing cat. I'd like to think that cat's going to be there. (laughs) Now, I know a dog that busted hell wide open, and that was the one. It was a German shepherd. I was riding my bike along the road, and I was about seven years old, and he was in the front yard with a stake driven down into the ground on a chain. And this German shepherd saw me riding down the side of the road closest to his yard, And he took off straight at me, and the chain snapped and completely jumped the ditch, kept coming at me, and then lunged and sunk his teeth in right into my hip, blew me off my bike. I totally peed my pants, literally, and I was screaming for my life as it was gnarling on me. And fortunately, my dad was visiting our neighbor across the street and heard the whole thing, and he ran up there and the dog ran off, we called the police the police showed up, they had to get this dog was gnarly, they had to get that long pole and wrestle this dog to get him up into this caged truck and what ended up happening is they actually put the dog down Yeah. and I believe that dog is in hell (laughs) I don't think that one's in heaven
0: that dog has a special place (laughs) yeah,
1: it's real hot right there where that dog is at, and and I'm okay with that. I'm totally at peace with that dog being in hell. I really am. I peed my pants, man. And I had to get a shot. I had to get a shot, too. I, got, I, got, I peed my pants and had to get a shot.
0: It was terrible. I'll never forget it. And so you're left in a world of this mindset of me, 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 my, my, mind. I got to do, 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 do. I'm trying to achieve things. You said doo doo. <laughs> but, so going back to the shopping mall analogy, that's the food court. <laughs> oh what? I'm Lord, just saying, that's your us. food court section.
1: I want the fajita tree. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> you, every time you pick fajita, you're. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Chicken fajita or beef? I'm kind of a beef guy. Right? You would be. I like cows. I like when you go to one of those restaurants that, like, I think Gringo's has it where they have, like, the Veracruz or something where you it's fajitas, but you also get, like, grilled shrimp with it. You put the shrimp that's in the taco. Veracruz. That's a good jam. It's amazing. Bacon wrap shrimp in your taco. It's good that, stuff.
1: That could be in heaven.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> no, there's no pigs in heaven. They're unclean animals. Well, that's why there's not going to be pork there. <laughs> right. So there's no bacon.
1: I don't think, I don't think shrimp are clean either. Oh, yeah. They're called, shellfish. They're yeah. called the
0: roaches of the sea oh uh, sorry so no bacon wrapped shrimp that entire thing is <laughs> off the menu <laughs>
1: oh that's lord a, that's a gentile meal we don't <laughs> do that what we're grafted in can we bring <laughs> it with us <laughs> right. it says an Acts all that's made clean
0: right. i don't know man all things are permissible but not all things are beneficial <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think God just looks at you. You guys are playing a deadly game. Yeah, look here. You may not
1: get in now. All right. Uh, oh, Lord, forgive us, please. Uh, but we do look forward to, the, to, to
0: heaven. But And oxygen. Oxygen, I believe, is 16. Correct? I think it is. I have to look. we will take a break. We'll take a break so you can look that up.
1: Thank you for my break. <laughs> i drink some water on this break.
0: <laughs> the mask.
1: The mass is sixteen, yeah. and I believe it's eight on the periodic table. But it's got the mat. The mass is sixteen, and it's eight on the periodic table. Wait, so it's got
0: sixteen electrons, right? There you go. Okay, so it's yeah, eight
1: electrons it's because you have to count around. So, anyways, so, okay.
0: So you have hydrogen that is one. You have oxygen that's eight. They're both gases, but when you put them together, you get water. And like I told you about two months ago, my left knee started making noise when I walk up the stairs. That's started- really weird. It's a terrible sound. It's not yeah. popping. It's like a gravel
1: crunching, grinding sound. Yeah, you just need to get that <laughs> checked out. As you I need, walk up, up need, the stairs. You need to get that checked out. You're probably going to die. <laughs> well, I know you're going to die. I just don't know when. Yeah, but I mean, so. And it may be completely unrelated to your knee.
0: Well, this is the same knee that when I used to work out all the time, I have in my gym bag, there's a knee brace I used to wear on that knee. And it wasn't for anything like that. It was just because occasionally that knee would just be like, oh, man, my knee's bother me. And if I strapped the brace on there, it felt it didn't hurt. And so I did. And so in my head, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to that knee, but I know it's going down faster than the rest of me. (laughs) We'll call you peg. Right. Peg leg. Yeah, that means you're going to have people walk around heaven that are really just happy to be there and they got no crowns. They don't have a shiny robe of a different color or whatever. They don't have a sash. They don't, whatever it is, they don't have golden sandals. I don't whatever know. Whatever the situation be. Whatever, whatever
1: it's going to be. <laughs> cool backpacks. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I got the Pearl Jordans, you yeah. know? Um, Do you have anything else? I think we covered are almost two hours now. Do we me close out? or Do yeah. you, know, you want me to do this? I was like, well, let's do it. Okay. So go ahead yeah. and just this